1: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to the Jason Greger Show here on Sports 1440. Connor Halley with you here, Wednesday edition of the show, Game Day. The Oilers in action tonight, taking on the Seattle Kraken down at Rogers Place. Puck drop just after 6.30. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on the show today coming to you live from the E-Well studio, proudly sponsored by your local electrical distributor. Stay tuned for an electrifying show that'll light up your day. Like I said, I am Connor Halley. Gregor on his way right now. Just at a a local ceremony where he's being honored, so he couldn't exactly duck out. And just leave. So he uh, let me know. He's going to ask that I run the show for a little bit here. Declan Kruger alongside with me. And we will guide you through the first segment or two. Of course, the Jason Greger Show, as always, brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. Alberta's only legal gambling website. If you're going to gamble, use your game sense. And uh maybe you can have some fun tonight as the Oilers taking on the Seattle Kraken. Once again, victorious over them on Saturday night. It was a 4-1 game. They'll look to do the same tonight. And uh, something tells me McDavid and Drysaddle won't get shut out once again like they were on Saturday. So maybe there are some uh, bets you might want to make. Of course, you can always text us at the text line, one 401 1440 Corey says, hi, just wondering if this is the 1440 Sports Show number. Yes, Corey, it is. You got us. You are in. The rig saying, was Gregor being honored at the hair club for men? No, no, no. Philanthropy. Gregor does a lot of this community. He's being honored for it. Uh, of course, we've got the Help Your Neighbor going on right now, and Month of Giving will be starting in no time. So lots going on. Gregor properly being honored today. But like I said, he will be here quickly. He will be here for sure. Of course, you can always send us emails into the Jiffy Lube inbox for now. That'll be connor at sports1440.ca if you want to uh, send those in as well. Uh, coming up on this show today, well, there's a lot going on. Of course, it is Who Is It Wednesday? And uh I, I could give you some hints, but I'm going to let Gregor do it. He'll be in shortly uh, from 3 to 4, as we always do on Wednesday. We have former current athletes uh, coming in for a long-form interview. They stick around for the entire hour, and it's always a real good time. So uh, we'll get to that at 3 o'clock. Before that, though, we'll be joined by Tyler Uramchuk of Oilers Nation as well as daily face-off. Get you ready for tonight's Kraken Oilers game. He was in Seattle for the Oilers game on Saturday. They had a pretty interesting weekend with the Nation Vacation, checking out a Seahawks game. I think they went to Aqua on Sunday night as well. Uh, We'll be joined by Kraken TV analyst and former NHLer JT Brown. He'll give us the Kraken side of things. At 4 o'clock, we'll hear from Mike Rupp of the NHL Network and a former NHLer. Now, uh, always good times with a rupper. Then at 420, we're going to be joined by A&W, or AEW, not A&W, AEW superstar Nick Wayne. Uh, talk about what it's like to, uh, get into professional wrestling and the road that you go down in that, in that career. Cause I mean, that's something that's su- super interesting. Obviously, we've had Bret Hart on this show, superstar. His story was very cool. Uh, Nick Wayne's going to be great as well. And then at five o'clock, we'll be joined by Mark Spector to do all we can to get you ready for the game tonight. Starting to get a lot of texts coming in here. 1-833-401-1440. Oh, Aaron, looks like you want to give the boys a hard time. Probably Low Tide and Declan. Uh, but Aaron, Low Tide's gone already. He's not going to see this. So you got to text him in tomorrow around uh, noon. He'll definitely see that one. Oilers lines from practice today. These come from Tony Brar of Oilers TV. Not too much change among the top six uh, but in case you did miss it, uh, Dylan Holloway, he was on LTIR. They said week to week. Gregor yesterday reporting month to month with oh, the LTIR. That puts you out for 10 games or 24 days. So it, it'll be a little while. Uh, Adam Ernie obviously recalled, as was Philip Broberg. And Raphael Lavoie. Lavoie will not play. Broger will be the seventh defenseman. And Adam Ernie will get into the lineup with Connor Brown out. So the top Lines looking like this. Number one, you got McDavid with Gagne and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Line number two, one that I particularly like. Evander Kane, Leon Dreisettle, Zach Hyman. Third line is McLeod, Derek Ryan, Warren Fogel. And then you've got Ernie, Hamblin, and Lavois. Sorry, Laval, yeah, he will be playing fourth line right wing. And then the defensive pairings for tonight, you've got Darnellers with Cody Ceci, Ekholm Bouchard, and then Kulak Dernay. Stuart Skinner obviously gets the start between the pipes. He's been great the last couple games, over 900 save percentage. Only two goals allowed in those two games. So clearly he's going to get the look. Uh, Let us know at the text line, now. what do you think of the Oilers line tonight? Maybe more specifically the bottom six. I think everyone's going to say top six. Pretty good. You're expecting big things. uh But the, the bottom six there are McLeod, and Derek Ryan, Ernie, Hamblin, Lavoie. Uh, let us know what you think at 1 833 401 1440. On the other side for the Seattle Crack, and a good news for the Everly fans he will return after suffering a little skate blade injury to his leg. He'll be with Matty Beneers and Jared McCann. You've got Schwartz, Wendberg, Taniff. Tolvanen, Gord Bjorkstrand, Cartier, Belomare, and Yamamoto. Kyler Yamamoto returning to Edmonton. He'll be on the fourth line defensively. Larson, Dunn, Oleksiak, Borian, and Dumoulin Schultz. So uh, as we knew last time, a couple of former Oilers returning to Edmonton now, uh, taking on their former team. Uh, that one will get going at 6.30, so a uh, long ways to go before that one. And as we always like to let you know, if you're looking for some pregame coverage, you can always turn into Oilers Nation's YouTube channel, Pre-Gaming with Boarzy, an hour before every game. Uh, we are going to go inside the room in a minute here, but uh, very quickly, if you are watching on the YouTube stream, you might see that I have a little bit of a mustache going here. And Since Gregor, uh handed over the reins to me and allowed me to go for it, I want to say if you want to make a donation to my Movember fundraiser, let us know at the checks line. Let us know on the chat on YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're watching from. I can easily send you the link and take your donation because uh, we're a month in. The stash is looking a little bit creepy. And if we can raise some money for men's health, it's a great cause. Absolutely would love to do that today. So if you want to donate, please give me a link. one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Bones texting in. Does Low Tide ever stay long enough to hear the Gregor Show opening? Well, I've got Low Tide's producer, Declan, behind me. And... He he's out of here pretty quick. He's given the a thumbs up. Yeah. He's he's usually gone pretty quick. He's a busy man. He's a busy man. He gets out of here very quickly. Uh, especially on game days. He's gotta get home, probably write three or four articles before he actually uh sits down and enjoys the game. So no, he he's got lots of things going on as one does when you're a person like Alan Mitchell. Right now, let, let's do it. Let's go in the room. Uh, Oilers head coach Chris Knobloch speaking to the media today. In the room, presented by NextGenTransportation.com. Congrats to the Divi on making the national bobsled team. Good luck at the World Cup events and Olympic qualifier. Very cool. Very cool. They, Craig kind of knocks on those guys, you know, for the the lower body strength. But Devo, he bucks that trend. Uh, you got to be very strong in that lower body to compete in the bobsleigh. And uh, very, very cool news for him. Like I said, though, let's hear from Oilers head coach, Chris Knobloch.
3: Just wonder, preparation-wise, obviously, maybe a bit easier because they just saw this team. So
4: how much do you, you dig back into that game and and go sort to of game plan through that? Yeah, no matter if you're a new coach coming in with a team or a returning coach, you're always want past experiences um used against uh, uh to prepare your team for the um for the game and just the fact that they played them just a few days ago obviously that's a big part of um getting prepared for this game and teams obviously make changes but you want to make the the games that uh, recent biases or recent games as much as possible
3: um hey chris uh I- dylan holloway's had such bad stretch of luck since he's you know from from the wrist injury on um
4: just can you give us an update and how long is is long term for um yeah know it's unfortunate and uh, it sounded like he was starting to build a pretty solid game um obviously he had a really strong one in seattle i was very impressed with how he was playing in my in my game and uh, unfortunately crashed in the boards injured and um lower body and he's week to week <coughs> excuse me week to week uh, now we have three three new
3: players coming up i imagine this is coming similar to the american hockey league we got guys coming in and out all the time and how do you kind of incorporate the three new guys and to just meet them today type thing
4: yeah no, know i did um just meet them today and there is a lot of fluctuation with the lineup but in the american league it's often you are um You might be losing your lower end guys that are going to the East Coast, but a lot of times it's your top guys who are going to the NHL, which you're changing your special teams so much. And here it's just not so much. But, um, yeah, no, Adam will be going in tonight. He will be playing left wing. And um, Broberg will be... um, as a, as an extra, so uh, obviously having the seven def- seven defensemen as we head out on the road trip will be good for us. And just the last one for me,
3: um, your predecessor was a big eleven and seven fan. I just wondering where you how you about
4: that. Excuse me. He's a big eleven and seven fan. He like play eleven forwards seven. Yeah. I just wanted to thought your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, it's difficult. Um, uh, having eleven seven eleven forwards. Um, it's nice when you've got some guys that take up a lot of ice time. Um, Drysdale, McDavid, double shifting those guys. Um, you know, Tampa Bay did that quite a bit. Seven defensemen. I know the defense coaches often don't like it because it takes away the flow of the um, of their game. Um, it's nice having the defensemen playing with their partners and having that stability of that. And when you have seven, it just changes that up. Now, there's benefits on how you split that up with special teams. If you've got guys who are really good at penalty kill or um, maybe you've got a group of six that you're very solid with and you need another penalty kill defenseman, I don't know. It all depends on the um, situation and, more importantly, what your D group looked like. Chris, you're the assistant coach for Dave Hackstall in Philadelphia. Can you look back to that and what it was like? I've got a lot of respect for Dave. Uh, I think he's an outstanding coach. Um, I think he's got a calm demeanor behind the bench, but he's very passionate and um, very knowledgeable at the game. And I think he connects well with his players. And my time there, I think I learned a lot from him. And a lot of the way I coach is a lot of what I saw from him my two years that I got to work with him. Um, Yeah, no, so I have a lot of respect for him. And, um, you know, feel nice to beat him tonight but um and um I do know that um you know I assume his mom will be coming at the game and I know she will be cheering for me because she is a diehard Oilers fan so I know I've got that um what did you know about Dave before you got the job I mean you I didn't a, I didn't junior. know Dave at all I didn't know Dave at all I um uh, previously met Ron Hextall I think Ron had introduced or recommended me to Dave and I had an interview with him and um, yeah it worked out well, it worked out really well for me uh, to get that opportunity Um, You said you learned something from Dave, what did you learn? Just uh, the preparation of day to day, um, what it takes to be an NHL coach of the managing of the the staff the players, the schedule um, you know, what type of practices to have um, how much players can um what kind of information they need for that meeting, or when's too much and when's too little. So just those nuances of the day-to-day business. Good, thank you, Chris. Just wanted to uh, clarify uh, the, the lineup. You said that um, so
0: Lavoie and Ernie would be in, and Broberg and, and Brown are out. Is that correct?
4: Yes. No. Brown's not quite ready. Uh, we hope when we hit up the road that he will be in, but uh, unfortunately tonight. Um, just, he's not playing.
0: Yeah, and Skinner will will go for you again?
4: Skinner will be our starter. All right.
0: All right. Um, what would Chris Doblock the coach, uh, have thought about Chris
4: Doblock the player? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how white? Um, smart, <laughs> defensive-minded, Um. just slow, doesn't get around the ice very well. I don't know. So is that kind of why you got into coaching? It just, like, yeah. <laughs> I, if I could have played longer, I would have. I, I loved the game. I love playing, and um, obviously, I was could have stayed in Europe and played it for a little bit. But it was um, start to move on, and yeah, that's how I got into coaching.
0: Uh, when when I ask people about you, they they say that you you uh, try to earn players respect and not demand it. Why is that important to you, and
4: how do you go about doing that? I, I just. Treat them like people i treat them like the way i want to be uh, treated um i just feel that you you're open you're honest with them um it's so easy as i i know parenting or coaching it's so easy to point out negatives. um you want a correction you point that out that's a negative and but um, so easy it's for to it's so easy to point out all the positives that they're doing, and I try and go out of my way to encourage them to be doing things the right way and the best way is uh, that positive reinforcement. So, you know, it's and then when I do need to correct something and need to need to address something, I want them to know that wow oh, it is fair. He does recognize the things that I do well, so. He's not just picking on me. He must have a valid point. Let's, yeah, I'll try and work on that. So it's, it sounds like an easy philosophy. It's not that easy, but that's kind of the way I, I approach it.
0: Thanks. And just one more. I just, you know, wonder sometimes, or a lot of times when a coach comes in mid-season, it's, you know, team is, it's way later in the year. You're looking toward next year. Obviously that's not the case here. So I wonder how you're trying to approach that. And if there's one or two things you're really trying to key in on to turn this around as quickly as possible.
4: I, it's, there's no magical uh, switch. It's nothing that's oh, we need to do this. Um, I don't know. It's just the mindset of just getting better each day. And you know, we're approached um, first couple of days was defensive zone coverage, um, a little bit of our line rush against. Obviously, we need to become better defensively, giving up more or fewer chances. Um, but we want to get better on our. Uh, our face-off assignments. Uh, maybe we're trying to create some scoring chances off the offensive zone face-offs. Uh, always creating chances off the rush. Um, you know, all those things we want to get better. Um, certainly not happy with anything. And even when we're, you know, if we were fortunate enough to be on a 10-game winning streak, we're always looking to get better something. So right now it's... We I mentioned those things that we're working on. Now we're going to be moving on maybe some more offensive principles.
3: Well, there you go. Head coach Chris Knobloch. It's in the room brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. I'm Jason Greger. Thanks to the uh, con man for uh, starting the show today. I appreciate it. Uh, big shout out to uh, it's a National Philanthropy Day, and it was their uh, 25th uh, annual uh, celebration for, uh, for lots of different people who help out uh, various different charities. I can tell you a uh, pretty inspiring room uh, to be in today with, with people who are just doing some amazing things, uh, helping others. Um, you know, lots of people that are connected to this show in, in various ways, uh, sponsors and people, big shout out to, uh, to Dale at Booster Juice and Trent and everybody at um, James H. Brown and, you know, lots of other places. It's uh, it was really inspiring just listening to the uh, stories of, of, you know, what people are doing, the unique ideas that they're doing to, to help others, um, in all different parts of the community. And so it's, uh, it's really good timing because, uh, we are just, what, uh, over two weeks away from, uh, month of giving, which is, uh, which is coming up. And, uh, you know, Corey dropped off. Um, you know, to kind of get things started, he's working out of town. He was going out of town. He had emailed us and, Hey guys, I got this set of a uh, very unique. It's a Connor McDavid. I got a picture. I'll put it up. But uh, as we get to, to, to month of giving, but it's uh, it's a, t- it's two, uh, like bar stools that they're made out of those wood casket barrels. And then the, t- the centerpiece has the, the logo of the orders. And then the tabletop itself has a, a picture of Connor McDavid. And uh for Order fans, you're gonna look like these things are unreal. I know Cons has seen them. Uh we got we got them covered right now, so we don't want anything bad to happen to them at all. No one cares putting a drink on it or anything like that. So uh but that that looks awesome. So um uh, for, for guys, you know what, you're looking in your in your fan cave, this would be an ideal thing. You got a cabin maybe outdoors, maybe in the garage. It's phenomenal. So uh month of giving starts in just over two weeks' time on Friday, December first. And uh, big shout out to at and everyone at the uh, the Christmas Bureau who uh, who nominated me today it was very humbling and a uh, real cool room to be in. So it was awesome. We'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get lots more on the uh, Edmonton orders. We talked about it yesterday. You know, Raphael Lavoie was basically they saved about forty five hundred dollars in cap space for that uh, one day. Him going down and then coming back up. Broberg is here. Also, Adam Ernie. Ernie's going to play tonight because uh, they are obviously give Connor Brown three extra days until he's ready. I would expect you'll see Connor Brown on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, the Oilers looking to get on a three-game winning streak. We'll see if it happens. We'll discuss it next in the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Welcome back. It's game day on Sports 1440. How are you, Jason Greger? Alongside Connor Hallie, The uh, Edmonton Oilers, of course. Getting set to take on the Seattle Kraken for the second time in three games. Had a 4-1 win in Seattle. I'll say first period, based on the history this season, first period's very important. The uh, Orders, it's their best period. They are tied for the third most goals in the league in the first period. But then they get crushed in the second and third. And Seattle's pretty much the same way. So if uh, if the Orders can have a good start, maybe we could see them basically uh, repeat what happened against the Islanders and the Seattle Kraken, where they did not give up very much. That's obviously the key for the Orders. When you're not chasing the game, when you're not playing from behind, you don't have to take unnecessary risks. And Well, although sometimes we've seen even when the Orders had a two-goal lead, they took unnecessary risks. I think that's uh, the main message now for this team, which will lead to some not-so-riveting games, let's be honest. Those last two wins were good, but I don't know if they, like they were top-of-the-line excitement. But uh, right now, I think Order fans are like, whatever, I don't care if it's exciting. I just want to see the team win. And uh, the Orders do have a chance, though, tonight to start climbing their way out of the basement in the Western Conference. Of course, San Jose is behind them. A win tonight would put them ahead of both Nashville and Chicago, move two points back of Seattle with two games in hand. And slowly, it's going to be a long call for them to get even in playoff contention. So uh, we'll see, because currently they're, uh, what, eight uh, eight points out right now behind St. Louis for that final Wild card spot. It is uh, it's less than ideal, to say the least. Less than ideal for the uh, for the Edmonton owners. Let's get now uh, in the community. Brought to you by United Cycle, fourth generation, family owned and operated business in the heart of Old Strathcona for all your sporting and cycling needs. And they've supported hockey and the community for over ninety five years. United Sport. And cycle as we uh, welcome in to the program our weekly uh, Wednesday guest, uh, Tyler Remchuk from uh, Oilers Nation. And uh, Ty, the, uh, you know, it's only one game. I'm not even going to ask what differences there are in the coach. I do think there's some philosophical differences. He's talked about consistency. I don't think we'll see the lines juggling as much, although wait till they lose. Maybe that'll change things. Uh, also, if, if you just heard his response, like, I don't think we're going to see a lot of 11 and 7 either. Oh, I can't hear Ty, so we got to get him. Uh, try to get him uh, fixed up there in a second. So we'll uh, we'll re uh, we'll retune there so we can uh, we can get that queued up. But I could see him, I couldn't hear him. So, um, Cons, you have the board set up, rookie over there. Jeez, there's a yellow button he's probably missing. That's what I'm guessing. We'll see what happens. But uh, they'll test it out first over there. Uh, meanwhile, you can always text us 833-401-1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. Got a lot of texts uh, flying in. Hey guys, this is just me. There's a lot of people that would wish the orders kept losing just to Fire Holland from Dan. Well, I don't know, Dan. I, I, I always try to remind people that social media is not a fair representation of society. OK, that it's a small port That's what it is. Right. So you have a few people who uh, who complain. That doesn't mean everybody's complaining. Ten percent of people have Twitter. Ten. So uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't make an assessment of the oiler fan based on what you read on social media. Because but here's the reality in life. There's smart people. There's average people. There's ignorant people. Doesn't matter what walk of life. Think about go around your office, right? Every office has a a different uh, personality group, right? Doesn't matter where you are. So uh, I don't think order fans are going to be indifferent, right? I would say the vast majority of order fans want the team to win. And they don't really care how it wins, right? And and some people are going to be more worriers. Some people are going to be more optimists. Like you can't expect every fan to be the same. That would be boring as hell. If everybody uh, decided to to cheer for the exact same player the same way, everybody was going to lo- like. Imagine if everybody loved Puliyarvi as much as Low Tide, right? It would be boring, right? Ty, can you? I can hear. Can you? You can hear me. Can I hear you now? No, we can't. We'll just get him on the phone, so uh, we'll uh, we'll figure it out. But um, I don't know what's going wrong, but the. Uh, uh, Rookie board's over there. There's, you know, some gremlins in the board all of a sudden. Uh, they'll try to figure it out. Uh, we'll get them over the FOMO, so that uh, clarifies things. Should give you a hint today. Uh, who is it Wednesday is coming up at 3 o'clock. And uh, multiple championship winner. It's once, uh you know, one-player awards. Really bright dude. Right? College, university degree. So that's coming up at three o'clock today. Looking forward to it. Uh, Tyler Remchick now from Orders Nation uh, is with us. And uh, I think uh, we can hear him now. Uh, So, Ty, I guess uh, give me your thoughts on that initial question on, you know, uh, it doesn't sound like the coach is a big fan of 11 and seven. I don't think the line juggling is going to be as much early on. Um, What else do you think might be different over the coming weeks?
0: Yeah, I think that's going to be really interesting. I chatted with uh, Bruce Kerlock, who does a lot of like system breakdowns for us over at Oilers Nation, and he talked about going back, watching some of Knobloch's teams, and they like to attack a lot of East-West through the neutral zone, which I think could be a really interesting way to maybe unlock some of the Oilers' speed off the rush, and even hearing what Bouchard had to say about working with Paul Coffey. Like, Paul Coffey kind of made it sound like he wants these guys playing with more pace, getting up in the action a little bit, which is good. To me, that's playing to the Oilers' strength. Like They should be a fast, up-tempo hockey team so that's something i may be looking forward to in the next couple of weeks here and as far as the 11 and 7 things go like sometimes i kind of like them going 11 and 7 especially like if you were to have fourth line wingers that were Lavoie and connor brown then i think they probably benefit more from 11 and 7 when they can get shifts with 97 and 29 versus just getting shifts with james hamblin right like it brings a little bit more offense to everyone but i also kind of understand that it's not entirely sustainable to do that for 82 games right
3: No, I don't think so. And I I really like for forwards, it's beneficial defense hate it. Right. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, the defense coach now, Dave Manson used it in the minors. So maybe he was a little bit more comfortable with it. Some others would, but it is hard to get guys in game. Uh, It's hard to get in rhythm for sure. You know, it's, it's funny. I I would argue that defense pairing continuity might be more important than, than forward continuity. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but I don't think that's going to be it. Uh, I look for the Orders tonight. Starts really haven't been a huge issue for uh, for Edmonton, Ty. But the second period, like last year, the Orders had the, the most second period goals. They had the third best goal four differential at plus 27. Only Toronto and Boston were higher. So they're the best in the West. This year, only San Jose in the league is worse. Like the Orders are minus nine in the second period. It's amazing how terrible they've been in the second period.
0: Well, it's just wild to see how much their identity has gone away from last year. Like you talked about it last year, they came out of the gate slow a lot. And there were a lot of games where they stormed back in the back half of the second period. They stormed back in the third period. And it was always on the heels of their power play and getting a couple timely saves from Stuart Skinner. And that just totally went away in the first five weeks of the season there. And then you look at that game against the Islanders and like, yeah, it's hard fought until the third period when their stars and their power play take over. Stuart Skinner made a couple of big saves and it was like, okay, I feel like I've watched the Oilers win that same way nine to 12 times last season in the regular season under Woodcroft. And why it went away is, is an absolute mystery to me, whether it was just a weird prolonged slump or whether we're, there was something with tuning out the coaching staff, which I don't buy as an issue, but I know people keep bringing up um, the fact that they just totally lost that sort of identity for five weeks just blows my mind. But the fact it seemed to come back in that first game under Knoblock is it's encouraging.
3: Yeah, well, the other thing for Knoblog, just watching practice, Um, the the analogy for anybody out there, because it's easy to figure out, between the dots in the middle of the ice, like if you're going from one end of the ice to the other, and you just think of the dots where you have the face-offs, right, all the way, that's a straight line, all the way up and down the ice, if you're in between the dots, a lot of people like to call it the highway, that's where you can go fast, that's where you want to be if you're on offense, meanwhile, the defense wants to put you in the ditch outside the dots and there was lots of drills in the neutral zone where they were really focused on eliminating plays through the middle of the ice and I know it doesn't mean it's like a snap of your finger but that's something to watch for tonight I think is how Knobloch really wants them to try to take away the middle of the ice people you know every coach is going to have different things they emphasize that seems to be one of his
0: yeah and I think with a couple of D-men on the blue line like Matthias Ekholm hasn't looked as fast as he was last year, and he wasn't that fast last year. Cody Ceci can struggle with it at times, so they can keep people to the outside more, I think that's good. It's also going to lead to less scoring chances, or it should, in, in theory, lead to less chances from high-danger areas, right, if you can keep teams out of the middle of the ice. So, again, small changes that maybe we won't see or we didn't see against the Islanders. Maybe we still won't even see it tonight, but hopefully over the course of, two to three weeks, this team just keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit cleaner. And that's something I know you've been big on, Greg, is like, just stop giving up the the brain fart gift goals. Right. And if you keep teams to the outside, that's probably a big step in, in doing that.
3: Yeah. Oh, and slow them down through the neutral zone. Right. Cause that's, yeah. where, that's where they were getting absolutely uh, uh, shredded. Now I know it, it doesn't, it doesn't impact the Oilers right now as far as wins and losses, but I think it does impact them as far as what's going to happen. But when you see the three games in the American League for Jack Campbell, do you think there's any way he salvages this season, or do the Edmonton orders just look and say, okay, you know what, we might be looking for another goalie, uh, somebody who's on a you know a million dollar or less type of deal, and uh, that's going to be our tandem with Stuart Skinner, and Jack Campbell is just going to you know sit in the minors, and then they'll have to buy him out in the summer.
0: Yeah, I think that the latter there is the likely one. Like, I had a little bit of hope that he could go down, play well for four or five weeks, and then pop back up and be a serviceable backup for the Oilers. Um, But after watching these three games, like, he just appears to be so broken as an athlete. And we know Jack Campbell is very hard on himself mentally, dating back to last year. He often came out and faced the media and wore the brunt of it. And going back to his time in Toronto, we heard about the mental issues that he kind of faced at different times. So, on a personal level, you feel for Jack Campbell that this isn't going right, but I think it's at the point where, if you're the Oilers, you also don't want to stunt Olivier Rodrigue's development by just playing Jack Campbell ten out of eleven games for the next whatever two months in the American League. Like it might be time to just sit there and go, you know what? It's not going to work. We're going to have to move on in the summer. And then the question becomes, do you buy him out? And I know I looked into the buyout. It's you know not the worst, most painful buyout ever, but still you hate signing up for six years of dead money on the books or, you know, that cap it extending for six years. I wonder how much of a sweetener they'd have to add if they kept half of his contract, because I think I'd rather just have three years at 2.5 than the, you know, 1.1, 2.6, 2.4, and then three years one and a half. If you can get it over with quicker and add a sweetener and get someone to maybe take them at 50% retained, that's probably the preference. Like buyout should be the last resort, but uh, I still got a funny feeling we're probably going to end up there.
3: Well, it would be awful considering uh, Neil's buyout still now only one year left and you'd throw in. Uh, and even though it's not very much, it's still, hey, one point five mil is a lot of money. That's a that's a really good depth for it on your team. And then potentially the bonus overages of, of Connor Brown. Like we're, it would be awful. Let, let's call a spade a spade here. Um, You know, Ken Holland or his whoever uh, precedes him or whoever takes over. The, I, I think they'll have to do everything in their power. If Cal Peterson can get traded, now I know they had to retain two mil on Provorov, so maybe it's impossible to do. But man, you're going to have to find some way to be a magician and, and and do it, or maybe Jack Campbell magically finds an injury, right, and spends a few yeah. years on LTIR because th- it, you don't win, you can't compete when you have all basically dead cap space, too much of it. I just don't see how it's possible.
0: Yeah, um, and a scenario that I was reminded of today, just again because I had people when I was doing my show at noon talking about, you know, how they felt bad for him from the mental side, like how tough his mental health be right must be right now. Remember last year when Spencer Knight went into the player assistance program and it wasn't substance related, like that was a mental health thing for him. I believe he was struggling with his O C D at the time, but maybe that's something Campbell looks into this year. If the Oilers go, Hey, look, we think this season is lost and we want you to get right and be in a good spot mentally maybe you can, I, I see it and again, I just don't know, but like, is there an option for them to LTIR him with a mental health injury?
3: Yeah, I don't know enough about it. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know if he's he has, to, to me, I, I, I would never, I don't know if him struggling isn't necessarily mental health. Uh, Kevin Woodley's yeah. talked about how he has like, a, uh, you know, he's got a, a coach that he's really happy with as far as him not being, you know, so difficult on himself, but I don't know if that's a reason going to LTIR. He's simply got to play better. Like if you watch some of the goals that are going in, like, they're, they're going right through him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, he's not even competitive. Like, again, if it was backdoor tap-ins or, you yes. know, scrambly American League hockey that was resulting in odd man rushes, then, yeah, you'd sit there and look at the numbers and go, okay, throw him out. He's stopping all the pucks he's supposed to. But, like, Bakersfield probably should have won that or been way closer in that hockey game last night. And three and maybe even four of those are like, whoa, that's a very, very stoppable puck.
3: Tyler Emchick joins us from uh, Orders Nation. When would you start Pickard? I think
0: i go Tampa on Saturday. And I know at first people might be like, whoa, what do you mean you'd go Tampa on Saturday? Like, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, Stamp Stamko's point. They have six wins in 15 games this year. They do not look like themselves. And I like the line that Stuart Skinner had a couple of nights ago or however long ago it was where he said, I just need to be better than the guy at the other end of the ice. And I look at the Lightning and it's Jonas Johansson or Matt Tompkins who have had moments this year, they've had good starts this year, but it, I think Calvin Pickard can go give the Oilers a competitive game against Jonas Johansson or Matt Tompkins. And when you look at the schedule coming up, like Washington's red hot, that's not really a free space on the bingo card. Carolina's starting to piece things together, and they're getting healthy. Like Tampa Bay might be the softest spot on their schedule over the next seven to ten days.
3: Yeah, them are Washington, right? Uh, the Capitals, I give them a lot of credit where they're at, but I, I still wonder how long it's sustainable, but good for them. I, even without Backstrom, uh, the Caps are doing uh, very well. Uh, one last one for you. We're, we're hearing lots about it, and it's basically, it, this is like July 1st in November. Patrick Kane sweepstakes. It's a free agent. You don't have to give up anything to get him. Where do you think he lands?
0: I'm I'm leaning Buffalo still. I know Larry Brooks came out and said the Rangers aren't that interested or never were interested. Um, To me, I think a multi-year deal in Buffalo is going to be the way this thing goes. You know, hometown kid, the storyline of it all is great. They're now missing Tage Thompson for a chunk of time. So I think there's a little bit of pressure on Buffalo to go add some juice to this forward group and try to keep surviving in that impossibly tough Atlantic division. So I'm going to go with Buffalo as my favorite to land him. I think the fit and the storyline and the fact they can give him multiple years and a handful of million dollars, not just like a league min deal, like some other contenders, all of that lines up with Buffalo.
3: It's true. I do wonder about the Tage Thompson injury though. Ooh, that's brutal Ugh. for the, uh, the Sabres. And you know, I, I still think the best fit for Kane or the team that needs him the most is Carolina. The best fit though might be Florida.
0: Yeah, I mean the way they're rolling right now, Sam Reinhardt top five in the league in goals, and every time one hits the back of the net, it's just cash register noises going off in his head with a, him being a pending UFA.
3: Yeah, well it's a good start for Kachuk's not doing much for them, at least point wise. He's not being terrible, but you know, when he gets going that helps. You got Bark off. Man, you get you get Patrick Kane there. Whew. They uh, and you get their defense healthy again. Yeah. Florida. Good for them. They, hey, guess what? Uh you know, people talk about injuries. Good teams overcome injuries, and that's what they've done. They've had three key players out. Two of their arguably their top two defensemen in Ekbladamon Tour. And then you throw in Sam Bennett, who's only played two games. He got injured in the second game. Right? Alvar Ekman Larson's being reborn in Florida. Reborn in uh, in oh,
0: Florida. Yeah, their numbers with him on the ice are, like, outstanding, and he's eaten like 20 minutes a night. It's crazy.
3: Yeah, he's played uh, very well. Ty, uh, we'll chat with you later, man. Have a good one. See you, Greg. That's uh, Ty Ramchuk in the, uh, in the community, brought to you by United Sport and Cycle uh, 243. Take a quick break. Uh, we'll return. And uh, we are going to uh, chat. we got our big guest coming up at uh, 3 o'clock today. Uh, also, we will, uh, of course, Speck will be by uh, later on. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, J.T. Miller. Actually, J.T. Brown, not J.T. Miller. J.T. Brown, uh, analyst for the uh, Seattle Kraken. Uh, Mike Rupp, uh, Nick Wayne and more on sports. 1440 Live in Orders Nation YouTube. Hello and welcome back to the Wednesday edition the Jason Greger Show and Sports 1440 live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Yeah, Greger Show, is always, brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. The uh, Oilers hosting the Seattle Kraken tonight as uh, we get to the uh, oil report brought to you by Volvo Cars Edmonton. Uh, Now until the end of the month, you can get unbelievable savings, $7,500 off retail price on S60s, XC90s, any 2023 vehicle right now at VolvoCarsEdmonton.com. Stop in this weekend, take a test drive, you won't be disappointed. And uh, we are joined now by a former NHLer, he's an analyst for the Kraken, uh, JT Brown. Joins us, uh, JT, welcome back to the show uh, appreciate your time. The, uh, the Kraken, uh, similar like the Orders, uh, you know, both 100 point teams last year, uh, both not off to the starts, uh, that they would like. And, uh, the Orders, you know, they've been one of the teams, if you look in the brief history of the Kraken, the Orders are the one team that they've really struggled against. Um, now lots of teams' orders to beat, but, you know, the Kraken have been really competitive against a lot of teams. What is it about the Orders you think, um, that's given them some, so much trouble that it's not a great matchup?
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
5: Uh, well, thanks again for, for having me on. But that is a a good question, right? Uh you think look the records overall. I think it's what's Edmonton six and two against the, the Kraken so far. So yeah. you know, they just have that number, and I think you you look at the top production from uh McDavid and Sido in those games, you know, against uh, Seattle. I mean, they have quite a few points so far um, against them. So when it comes down to it, you know, those guys are are coming up clutch against Seattle. And, you know, Seattle does match up well against other teams Mm -hmm. pretty well that are good, like Colorado is a team that Seattle's played really well against. You go back even into the playoffs and and into last year and and starting this year too. Um, You know, it's just one of those things, whether that's a mental side or a mental break, But, uh, you know, you just look at the skill level of, you know, those two guys, those forwards up top that I just uh, mentioned, and, you know, they can burn you at any time.
3: Yeah, and, and Colorado is a perfect example because McKinnon and Randon are pretty skilled. <laughs> Yet, you, you know, Seattle has success yes, against yes. them. That's and they
5: got a good one-two punch, right? Yeah.
3: They got that McCarr kid on the back end. He's not bad either. And, uh, you know, it is weird sometimes. And you played for a long time. There's just something about certain teams that, and I wonder if it maybe gets in your head after a while. And, you, you know, you tell yourself all the right things, and then suddenly you find yourself down one or two nothing, and you're just like, oh, God, here we go again. Correct.
5: Yeah. You can say the right things, but, uh, you know, subconsciously. Uh, it's obviously in the back of the line. I think you obviously have to know when those guys are on the ice too, and all of a sudden one or two goes into the back of the net pretty quickly, especially if you look at uh, you know the last game they end up being down four in the first period. it's uh, very hard to come back from something like that, right?
3: Yeah, and it's funny because they beat Colorado the other day four to three, but you know overall, you know their starts. what do you feel has been the difference this year or what's lacking or what's different this year so far than how they played and performed last year? Yeah,
5: well, outside the the last game against Edmonton, their their first periods have actually been their better period yep. overall. Um, you know, they usually have they've been getting out to a better start than that, but the problem has been arising usually going into the second, going into the third period, and not necessarily playing that same game that got you the lead, or, or even, you know, you could be tied. You could be even down, but playing well, um, kind of just not coming out with that same. So trying to put together a full full 60 minutes and, even though I say it, I, I hate that because at the end of the day, you can't have a full 60-minute. The other team is going to have their their chances and have their uh, you know, domination to a part be in your zone. So as much as you can have a 60-minute game, you know, continue to have that effort, but just trying to find ways to you know, eliminate another team's momentum when they do pick it up. And right now that just hasn't been the case. It's been good first periods and kind of looking into those second and thirds and you know, it kind of falls away from them.
3: It's funny because the Edmonton orders are in the exact same boat. The orders first period's good and their second and third period's, I mean, terrible. Like last year, they're this, they're the highest scoring team in the second period, had the third best goal 4 goal against differential. And this year, they're dead last. I guess I shouldn't say dead last. San Jose's worse, but uh, you know, San Jose's worse in pretty much every category. Um, how, how would you evaluate? Cause last year, Seattle won all these games at a hundred points. They didn't even have a 900 say percentage from their goaltending. How oh. would you evaluate the goaltending this year?
5: I think the goaltending's been good. I don't think that that's the uh, the issue, you know, or, or the problem. I mean, I think if you look at uh, some of the goals that are scored, you're you're asking your goaltenders to make some, some really big saves, uh, especially early on. You know, it was more of uh, the puck just wasn't finding the back of the net for the Kraken, obviously getting uh, some good looks. But if you look at last year, it just seemed like everything was going in. You look at their shooting percentage, you know, the amount of players that had career highs and, you know, also some injuries too. Uh, you got some guys uh, that – you know, definitely can help the lineup that weren't playing for a stretch and, you know, some that still aren't. So a little bit of combination of everything, but uh, definitely just more of the pucks just not going in. Um, You know, sometimes that's uh, for a lack of, you know, getting to the front of the net and getting, you know, more shot opportunities. But, you know, when those chances were there, they just weren't bearing early.
3: Yeah, last year, Seattle was the best team five-on-five goals for most in the NHL. And, you know, it was combined up and down the lineup. And I, and I think that can become infectious. Uh, JT, I'm sure you've been on teams where every guy's feeling it and you're like, Hey, this is, this is unreal. It's fun. Well, the Kraken come in today. They're tied for, uh, for 25th in, in five on five goals. So Captain Obvious says, Hey, that's a difference. But what it, what were the, Lux, I think two would, would be downplaying the skill it takes to score. But what are you not seeing five on five in the offensive zone that was there last year?
5: Yeah, so I think it's more of a, the, the second chance opportunities. Um, you know, just getting in on the forecheck—that's uh, one of the things that are the common theme when you, know, you talk to players on other teams when they play Seattle. It, it's a tough game. It's it's not fun. They're very relentless, and obviously, there's still a tough team to play. But uh, it's getting those second looks and those opportunities, forcing those turnovers. They were very good at you know using the forecheck to create those uh, turnovers and opportunities that you know, then put them in the position to score a five-on-five. But just right now, just maybe it's a half-step behind or, you know, dumping the puck, but everybody's already standing at the blue lines. You're not able to get in and get that traction and just kind of wear teams down in that sense, where, again, you got times where McDavid and and Drysider will be on the ice, and, you know, it's a a long shift for the defending team because they just keep moving around and around, and eventually the puck would go in the back of the net. And, you know, Seattle did that more by a committee and getting line changes at the right time and, you know, just continuing to wear down on teams that way in the offensive zone.
3: JT Brown joins us, analyst for the Seattle Kraken. Of course, they're in town tonight to take on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, early start, 642 puck drop tonight. The uh, The Kraken overall, I guess, do you have an update on on Eberly? Uh, obviously, it was pretty unfortunate uh, situation. Uh, sounds like it could have been worse, and thankfully it wasn't. But is he a week? Is he two weeks? Any idea how before he returns?
5: Uh, it should be it looks like he's in tonight okay. uh, just based on uh, the the lineup and uh, the talking afterwards and and everly as well everybody's you know obviously excited to have him back in the lineup and what he can bring uh not only with his leadership but you know just on ice play and it's a good opportunity for the Kraken to kind of get closer to being a, a you know healthy as well as a full team uh, having Brandon tan come back last game as well.
3: Well, hey the the greatest pitcher taker in the NHL. Um that's always good to have him back on. on your but he's also he's an energy guy, right? Like he's an energy guy. He, you know, Turbo, I think is a nickname that his teammates call him. Like the guy plays yep. high intensity. Uh, if you look at Seattle tonight is is it too like they got to score first? Is, is that really the way to win based on how they played in the second and third period? Like how important do you think to start is? And when they do start well, what are they doing early in games to get ahead of teams?
5: Well, I never want to say that, you know, if you, you get scored on first, it's over. But I think you definitely want to keep it within one if you do get scored on first, not allow, you know, that snowball to get going and be down two or more early. So I think, you know, having that start, you can't control whether or not uh, you score first. But, uh, you know, I definitely think that, uh, you know, trying to keep it within one is, is reasonable and then just continue to build your game. Because sometimes it does take, you know, whether it's a full period or into the second where you fully build your game into what you you want each night. So... I would definitely it'd be better if they scored first, but uh, I wouldn't count it over. Um, and, you know, what they're doing right away is they're playing north. Um, you know, it's an easy way to say, but a lot of times they get themselves into trouble, too, when you start going back, you start looking for a better play, and that's where turnovers start to happen. And, you know, when you have an explosive team that has offense power like uh, Edmonton does, that can definitely backfire for you. So when they're just playing north, getting into their forecheck and creating turnovers that way versus trying to make, you know, the individual type plays, um, you know, that can be problem problematic. So for me, it's always just, how do you start that game? Do you get in? Do you get on the forecheck? Are you giving a hit? Are you taking a hit? And, you know, that's just how they played all last year and in, in some of their better games this year as well. It's just been a, you know, a road mentality and just kind of wearing teams down that opinion
3: way. opinion on this, where would you come out on the NHL's talking about you know, kind of eliminating over and back, right? That, uh, you, you know, you take the puck in the offensive zone. You can't then revert back across center just to waste time and regroup. Uh, would you like that as, a, as an analyst and, and former player? Do you think it would benefit it or is there some negative that we're not seeing if they start, uh, banning that from the game in in three on three?
5: Um, I mean, I don't know. For me, the, the question is, uh, I mean, I, I don't really like three on three. Okay. That much, to be honest with you, but I don't like the shootout that much either. So, um, you know, for me, I'd say the back and forth. Are they going to stop the play, like stop the play, as soon as uh, they go over? Like, and then does that? You start from a face off again. So it just seems weird. It might uh, delay the game more, uh, take away some of the flow if you if you do that stop, or if you have to stop the game anytime somebody goes back like that. So. I don't know what's the perfect answer because definitely teams have figured out, you know, how to play and to possess the puck and kind of just wait till the other team's tired and wait for that opportunity. And sometimes, you know, that can not be as exciting as you want. Obviously, the three-on-three when it's going up and down the ice, scoring chance after scoring chance after scoring chance, the fans love it. Obviously, the players are engaged in that. So, I'm not sure what the the perfect answer is or what the perfect result is for uh, overtime, but... uh, I don't know if stopping the play or not allowing him to go backwards is, is the right one either.
3: And uh, deep pairings, JT. Which one with McDavid and Dreisseltel on separate lines tonight? Uh, is, is Larson against McDavid? What do you think would be the deep pairs ideally that Seattle would want?
5: Yeah, I think you definitely would try to, to get Larson out there as much as you possibly can. Uh, but, you know, I'd also look at uh, Jamie Alexiak and Will Borgen have done a good job uh, so far this year. Been very good defensively and been playing, you know, Tough minutes as well, you know, going against some of the top guys and, you know, trying to be really physical with them, right? And try to, you know, make it hard every step of the way. And I think everybody here knows how good of a defenseman uh, Larson can be, though, too. So with them not, with them splitting up, it definitely makes it a little bit bigger of a challenge, you know, trying to, you can't just put one uh, set out and hope there's both guys. But uh, I would say it'd be a combination of, you know, the Larson and Dunn and uh, Alexiak and Borgen as well.
3: JT, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, we'll see you at the rink. Thanks for this. All right. Sounds good. Later. There you go. That's a JT Brown, analyst for the uh, Seattle Kraken. Uh, Oilers, hey, they've had their way with the Kraken. It's funny because Seattle plays really well against Colorado. And look at the top talent that Colorado has. McKinnon, Ranson, Makar. It's pretty good. But they play, they've played very well against Colorado, including beating them in the playoffs. Yet uh the when the orders flame, the orders are just you know, it's kinda like spank city a little bit for Edmonton. Like they the orders have spanked them in uh in their six wins handily, scoring at least four goals in every one of them. So we'll see if that continues tonight for the Edmonton Orders. Uh when we return, who is it Wednesday? You'll find out next after Connor Halley. Sports fourteen forty update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing all your residential, commercial, and industrial
1: structural engineering needs. It's B I E N G dot com.